Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? <laughs> oh man, what is up today? If you have been living under a rock or you're not a Bearcat fan, which means you're not listening to this podcast, you know, basically everybody else knows that it is the one of the greatest of days to be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan, Bearcat football fan, a weekend that featured not only the the blowout win that we've been waiting for, been expecting, but we did it over a, a great the air quotes here, greatest offensive team in the American Athletic Conference, held to zero points for three straight quarters, and they only scored 14 against what? Our freshmen, like our high school seniors that we had to put in there, you know, just, just to give them a chance, just to just to make sure we weren't running up the score too much, just to make sure we were we were giving them a participation trophy. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Followed by my favorite, my second favorite school, my love. Out West, the Utah Utes, Utes, whatever they're called, Utes, Uts. They did it. They did what we knew they were going to do the entire time. They stomped Oregon. It wasn't even, honestly, it was only a fun game because that's what we were really wanting to see. (laughs) Hummer, that game got out of hand so quickly that I was able to comfortably leave my house, go to a bonfire, crack open a bottle of Angel's Envy, and just let the night carry me away. That was that was an unbelievable Saturday. If you're a Cincinnati Bearcat fan, it's exactly what we've been waiting for. We finally got to first off just kick off against a team in SMU who came into the game eight and two on the season. They're a respectable squad. They've been flirting with the top twenty-five throughout the last several weeks. Frankly, they would be ranked if they didn't if they didn't choke up a bad game against Memphis. And here, and here are beloved Bearcats coming to this game for senior night. Everyone's celebrating the, the remarkable careers of the likes of Des Ritter, uh, of Kobe Bryant, of Darian Beavers, my Jay Sanders. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And we come out and just absolutely dominate them. Unequivocally dominate this high-octane offense that, that folks in the national media thought could offer up a legitimate, you know, upset candidate for the Cincinnati Bearcats football team. And and they just proved that if anything, I think our, our friend Joe Barnett put it best. It just proved that the Bearcats in all likelihood have just been bored these last four weeks. You know, like this is, it's hard to get yourself up for Tulsa and Tulane and South Florida and Navy, these completely inferior lack of talent schools that just don't have the caliber of players necessary to, to compete with a team like Cincinnati, SMU does. SMU had the, the, the Oklahoma transfer quarterback. They have the, the talent players, uh, the talent position players to, to, to put up a fight. And instead, uh, they fell down. I mean, what was, what was the score at one point? 41 nothing in this game? Remarkable. Remarkable, Remarkable. performance. Uh, it also, it's a game that featured less than 200 yards from total offense from, from an SMU squad. It was throwing up what close to 
the 500 yards a few only a, a few weeks ago against a, a Houston team. I believe that may may have come come across, but either way, absolutely dominated Mordecai. While first off, that is one of the greatest names for a quarterback ever. If like you're coming out and slanging, and you're you're just like Mordecai. It just sounds sounds dangerous, but look, Mordecai was not dangerous against the Bearcats. He proved, he helped prove that we have one of the best, best, best pass defenses in the country. Absolutely stuffed him. Well, he they showed up. I mean, he basically six receiving yards. 66. Yeah, sixty-six passing yards. Sixty-six passing yards 66. in the entire game. Um, huh. Coming into the game, and and you said a couple weeks ago, last week against central florida a team that's six and four has a respectable uh resume obviously dealing with their own problems and injuries and so forth mordecai threw for 377 yards three touchdowns their offense they put up in that game and and we touched on this in last week's episode last week they put up 631 yards of offense 241 yards. I I apologize. I apologize to Mordecai for for under underselling what that offense was capable of against inferior schools like you you see UCF other other directional Florida school. Uh, But we busted you. We busted you. We busted you hard. We sent you packing back to Dallas. I just hope your gracious hosts when we're when we come to Dallas or Miami's for that matter because we don't know which one it's going to be yet, but. I have a strong, strong feeling we're going to be happy on Tuesday, but the defense struck back today. That's yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the real star of the show. I know I'm Des Ritter went through for, for the, uh, oh, we're going to get the Des if we're ready. We're to gonna, talk about Des. There's so much to talk about <laughs> in this game, but we, we obviously were able to welcome back Jerome Ford into the lineup. Um, the way that the, the team operated and functioned offensively was aggressive, disciplined and, and extremely productive, but let's start with this black cats defense. Because if there's anything over the last four weeks that surprised everyone, it was our inability to consistently get stops on third, on critical third and fourth downs. Um, teams were able to extend drives on us. They were able to move the ball, playing a conservative style of offense that was meant to control the football, control the time of possession, keep away from Cincinnati, and all in all, just try and just try and avoid blood. Essentially, it seemed like the last four opponents were anti-style points for Cincinnati. Like we're not even going to aggressively try and beat you, especially with Tulane and Navy. Like it, it, these weren't game plans that were going to ever beat the Bearcats. South Florida, same thing. But but all in all, we are going to play a style of football that's going to prevent you from doing the flashy thing that we know you want to do to impress the corrupt playoff committee and. And so that was frustrating at times. And and here we are going into a game against SMU where we know the opponent has a flashy quarterback who's thrown over 35 touchdowns on the season that can also run the ball. And so the question was, I actually, I think we put forth a, a, the theory on this podcast that it would, that it would favor the Bearcats to play a team that would, would try and aggressively move the football in the air again. And that theory was, was proved and, and realized on the football field this weekend. They just had, they couldn't do anything on our offense. And if you look at the, the game script here to start the, to start the game, here are the defensive possessions the Bearcats had. Punt, three and out. Punt, three and out. Punt, 
three and out. 10 play drive, ending in a fumble. Punt, three and out. Punt, three and out. Punt, three and out. Halftime. Unbelievable, unbelievable performance by Mike Tressel's defense. Uh, it's really funny with the, with the 10 play drive for SMU. I'm going to tattle on myself a little bit here. Uh, I sent a text to our group chat. Basically, I don't know exactly what I said, but I was like, oh, no, the Bearcats look like we're, we're giving up the rushing yards again. On that, on that drive, it, it had seemed that we were, we were reverting back to the let them get six yards to carry uh, on the ground. And I think no more than like three seconds after, after I sent that text, uh, <laughs> SMU fumbled. <laughs> I, I, Putting, I, I squashing wasn't all doubt, squashing all doubt that the Bearcats weren't defending against the run uh, this game. But you're absolutely right. Like SMU could not do anything. It was it was Black Cats aggressive, smothering, suffocating, uh, with a transition to like coming out of second into the second half. And you're imagine that you go in and it's like it's dip at day, which is a lovely place, magical if you would. Uh, but then you come out of the tunnel and it's halftime, and it's just like the sky is dark the the roar of the crowd it's like I, I can't imagine it has to be terrifying if you're smu like why, why would you ever want to do that um you know so props to them for not cowering props for them for sticking in and, and fighting this thing out against our high school squad and, and putting up 14 points in the fourth quarter against the against the high schoolers i'm not giving them props for keeping their starters on the field <laughs> so that sunny dykes was a little less embarrassed about the final score let us not forget the down 41, nothing. I, I, I hope I'm yeah, right about I had, the score. I had to, I had to, I had to uh, <laughs> poke the bear to get you on this one. <laughs> there was a moment in this game. I think the Bearcats, they're either leading. It's either, I think it's, it's 41, 40, nothing. It's 41, it's 41 nothing. nothing. And, and SMU opts to kick a field goal. They opt to kick a field goal with 316. How much time was left in the third quarter here? It was embarrassing. 228 left in the third quarter, and they're they're attempting a 44-yard field goal. Down 41 nothing. What are you doing? Aren't Look, you at that point, they're playing, he's put, they're, they're playing scared at that point. You're trying to play for you're, no, you're trying I don't to play think to that's a shutout. You're, yeah, trying, you're trying to play yeah. and not have the it's shutout. It's not fear. That's simply a coach who wants to get that zero off the board by any means necessary. It's not winning football. It's not big, thick energy, right? Like SMU, you're well, lacking. That's why he's not our coach. And that's why, and that's it. Like this is, that's the type of energy that's losing football. And, and if you get, if Sonny Dykes gets a new opportunity and you're SMU, by all means, after I see that, after I see that field goal attempt get blocked, no, thank you. Take your, take your talents elsewhere, sir. We don't need that energy here, but uh, it, so speaking, speaking of blocks, so there, we actually had some really good, uh, we put real good on special teams um, from the very first punt of the game. We really thought that they were, I, I was waiting for the block punt. We were really literally like, so I'm sitting there thinking there's going to be a block punt. We were, we were just penetrating very, very deeply into the, into their formations. And we ended up getting a, a block hey punt. <laughs> we ended up getting a block punt. We had the block field goal. All things were good all day. Our and we ran a we ran more four down linemen sets. It looked like, and if, if I'm wrong on that, someone call me out. But 
I, I thought we were we were running a lot more four down linemen, and it seemed to be be working in terms of getting pressure into the backfield, forcing Mordecai into uncomfortable situations, and and just making him have to rush some throws that that ultimately would fall incomplete. Um, you know, and then I was also well, yeah. Well, real quick, the, the team ended up forcing SMU into, into two two of eleven overall on third down conversions. So uh, they they forced SMU into those third down chances, and then the defense got off the field. And it turns out we're not crazy in thinking that this team goes as the defense goes, because when they do get off the field quickly and get the offense the ball back in advantageous positions, um, I, I think that you saw that this team is is operating on all cylinders when the defense does do their job well, where they are turning teams over, getting them off the field quickly, giving Des Ritter and, and Alec Pierce and Jerome Ford more opportunities to put points on the board. And I think that we kind of saw like what makes this team tick. What makes the team tick is an elite top five defense. Mm. It was, it was beautiful. We've been waiting for this. So I, my only criticism, and I know because I was joking that we put the we we you know we were putting the B and C squad in at the end of the game, and rightfully so. We don't want to we don't want to have players getting injured uh, solely for the sake of of trying to shut out a team. But going into that fourth quarter, I was like, please let's shut this team out. I was in, I'm giving it to the A squad as as they sh- they did shut them down for three quarters, and I it wasn't SMU I was expecting to do that against. All, all year when we were playing these bad teams, we get saying this is going to this is going to be the sh- shutout. This one's going to be the shutout. Very very happy to see of of just these four three straight quarters of zero points by an opposing offense. Oh, felt good. This felt good going into the third quarter. And like you said, you know, you during the Utah game, you got to go up. You got to drive over to a bonfire. You had to not really care. You pulled out your phone and be like, yeah, they're still dominating. Um, came down to the fourth quarter, and you know, yeah, I'm still watching, but. Hey man, I got to start cooking dinner a little early. You know, had to go, had to go run a little uh, beer run. Wasn't worried, you know, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't scared at all, but I was also happy to see um, with the backups getting in that they were actually playing well too. I thought on offense, they were doing a decent job. They have Evan, Evan Prater was able to put together a pretty nice, pretty nice drive resulting in a, in a touchdown pass from him. They actually kind of let him let it rip a little bit compared to the other the other times we've seen him get in the game. He got in so early. Like he got in at the end of the third quarter, had a full fourth quarter at his disposal and yeah, for that for that drive he put together that resulted in a touchdown, they they let Prater air it out a bit. You saw him you saw his running skills. You saw him scamper for a for a 33-yard gain that could have been more. Like he could have actually taken that to the house for a 60-yard touchdown had he not run into his own play, own uh, teammate. And it was a beautiful cutback. He is more explosive running the ball than Des Ritter is. And Des is Des is quick. Des has got that straight line speed, but Prater has got that sort of Lamar Jackson quick, shifty type vibe to him. Now, I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson, but I'm just saying vibes. That this, vibes. That the vibes, the energy is good. The, the the vibes for what Evan Prater can do with the ball in his hands, it's it's pretty special. Um, you saw him complete a few good passes there. He got his first uh, passing touchdown of his career, I believe, uh, with the 11-yard pass to Jordan Jones. So all in all, everything in this game went went perfectly to script except for field goal kicking. And I'm glad I, you I, brought that. I'm glad you brought I want to bring that up now before we really get into the good parts of the offense. I want to do the sandwich method here, okay? We, we, we praised and bowed down secrets. to the defense. Okay? Don't give away the secrets. 
I want I want to I want to go hard after the kicking squad, but then I want to come back with just absolute praise for the offense. So let's get into radar kickers. <laughs> We're not going to have a good kicking game this year. It's not it's not in the cards for this team. If there's an Achilles heel that might eventually bite us in the ass, it would be field goal kicking. Like I, I there's not a reliable field goal unit on this team. And I don't know that there's nothing Luke Fickle can do to magically snap his fingers and change that. This can season. he kick them? Is he allowed to kick? I, I, good question. I mean, are, are there guys on the team who have experience <laughs> playing soccer? Like Prater definitely seems like the kind of guy who, yeah, I know he played basketball. He played football. Maybe he has some experience like Odell Beckham did at playing some soccer. Maybe he's the guy we need to, to spend some time uh, coaching up, but look, here's the thing. The, the field goal misses are rough. It includes an, an ex, an extra point miss as well. The second attempt, I will say this for Alex Bales, that 38 yard field goal miss, at least like he hit that clean. He just hit it wide. So if we, they're, they're, Dude's got a big leg. Certainly not going to write him off. It does justify Luke Fickle being and, and Denbrock being extremely aggressive with play calling and going for it on fourth down throughout the rest of the year. Like the, anytime you're at fourth and five or less in, in enemy territory, we should be going for that. We should be busting out that big Fick energy, going for it on fourth down and doing everything we can to make, make drives and in touchdowns. Look, I was uh, I briefly was getting into it uh, with someone over the weekend about the kicking game because they're like, "Oh, you know, oh, enjoy the game. Like, it doesn't matter this game. I'm like, yeah, it does not matter this game because we're up huge at at this point. But the worry part here, and this is basically all you can say because there's nothing we're going to do about it. It's too late in the season to get fixed. There's no scheme. It is a liability. It's, it's not a liability. Scheme. I don't it's not I, scheme. It's yeah, a liability. I'm sure they're practicing. Hopefully, it doesn't bite us in the ass. Like it's right. one area that it could, it's a liability, but at the end of the day, there's other ways to win football games through black cats, defense, through Des Ritter's leg and arm through our elite rushing, rushing units, through our elite wide receivers. So there's, we still win football games. We can still win. It is a liability. Hopefully it doesn't come down to it, you know, but I will say this, if it comes down to it and we are playing Georgia, in the first round of the playoff, and it comes down to Alex Bales knocking down a 38-yard field goal. <laughs> Will I be nervous as hell? Will I literally not want to watch the TV because I am certain that this is a 50-50 proposition? Absolutely. And if he misses it, will I be upset? Sure. Am I going to go hate the kid forever, though? No. If he makes it, though, I will host hoist him up on my shoulders while, while you feed him Jeff Ruby's steak. While we march him and parade him down Jefferson Street all the way in the Nippert Stadium, <laughs> we're dro we're dropping grapes into his mouth. <laughs> Absolutely, as he's Absolutely. being as he's being carried on a on a burning couch through uh, up and down Clifton Avenue. Let me, <laughs> oh gosh, I just stakes on us if Austin Bales wins wins one is the kicks the game winning field goal. In, in the playoff and or national championship game stake is on us. We're going to, we're going to get you set up on the 50 yard line or wherever, wherever the spot is for that field goal. We're going to, we're going to set up a table at Nippert stadium on that spot. And we're going to serve you steak. <laughs> so let me, here's kind of a, 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 an exercise I'll ask you to go through. So let's say 
the Bearcats are in that first semifinal matchup against Georgia. And let's say hypothetically that the Bearcats have a 21-19 lead with about a minute and 30 left in the game. And let's say hypothetically, I am changing the script a little bit, but let's say hypothetically speaking that the Bearcats are on the 30-yard line, Georgia's 30-yard line. So we're talking... Uh, yeah, I guess we're talking like a 45 yard field Wasn't goal from that there. A game? Didn't we miss a field goal in that game as well? I think we might've. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did miss a field goal in that game. I I'm kind of doing bad math off the top of my head here. I think that would be more. So let's say we're in like the 28 yard line. It's a 45 yard field goal attempt. It's it's third. It's fourth and two from the, from Georgia's 28 yard line. We're up two points. What do you want to see Luke Fickle do in that moment? Oh, we're only up two. We're up two, so you could potentially extend the lead to five, or you can go for it. Is Georgia now out of timeouts? Georgia's also <laughs> out of timeouts. They have no timeouts and, 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 and getting up to this point, we have done everything wrong clock management-wise. <laughs> I'm saying go for it on fourth and two in the game. Yeah, I, I think that those are the situations where if, those, if that situation pops up where it's it's go for it or not, and, and you've already got the lead, I think you go for it. If you need to get the lead, it's fourth and two, and it's a 35, 45-yard field goal, you're probably taking your chances. Although I got to say, anything over 40, I don't feel very confident in. And I feel like that's where the team is probably going to have to be more aggressive than you would like uh, given the current situation with the foot, with the field goal team. I mean, more than likely, if we play Georgia, we're probably going to look at a similar game to last year. It's two very similar units, and I think it's still, it would still be a low-scoring affair. Um, so, yeah, you put, you put it on your defense at that point if the offense doesn't come up with two points. Um, and maybe this time it turns out different in that they actually do hold them and, and don't allow them to get in the field goal range. But that being said, enough talking about the kicking game, as depressing as it is. Do we want, where do we want to start? Do we yeah. want to start with the return of Jerome Ford or we want to start with Des Ritter wide receiver? I think we just want to talk about <laughs> Des Ritter as a whole. <laughs> Des Ritter, the the being, you know, I didn't notice any any subtweets from from notable Twitter accounts of fan bases uh, located in that that central Florida area. I didn't notice any tweets about how bad Des Ritter was on Saturday. I didn't I didn't notice any any uh, any of the normal hate and and just passive aggressiveness that we get toward our toward our top five all time winningest quarterback, Des Ritter Un- is undefeated so, undefeated at home in the regular season in his career. He's Never, unbelievable, and I, I'm knocking on wood here because I don't want to say it yet because we have one more home game that's going to be coming up the tr- the real senior night, real senior night uh, against Houston coming. As up. long as we get the job done against ECU, correct. I thought we. I thought that if, was a, a if, clinching if we, mechanism. If we lose to ECU, I believe we would go to Houston for the for the championship game. Uh, God, if we lose to ECU, that's you do not want to listen to this podcast if we lose a, a ECU. I know they're having a good season this year, but you do not want to witness the meltdown that I would have. Uh, it would just be the all all kinds of wrong. I apologize in advance because it's not going to happen. So I don't have to hold myself accountable to anything. Des Ritter went 17 of 23, three touchdowns, 46 yards rushing, added a a rushing touchdown there. 
And the man had one reception for five yards and a tutty. The man had a, had rushing touchdowns, receiving touchdowns, and passing touchdowns. The holy trinity, the 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 cycle in football. Were you watching when I was watching that play unfold? Like as soon as 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 I saw the uh, the reverse happen, I'm like, oh my god, Des is about to score a touchdown. <laughs> my wife is like looking at me like, what? I'm like, it's, it's like I knew it, I knew it. <laughs> I would love to ask Jim Kelly what whether he knew about this play before the game, because the fact that on the fly, on the radio broadcast of this game, that he could come up on the fly with the chili special as sort of a play on the Philly special that was completed by Nick Foles and and the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl on the fly broadcasting the chili special. That's, that's, that's elite. That is all time broadcasting from Jim Kelly. Thank you for the proper naming of this, of this yeah. magical, magical play. That was way better than what I had. I had ri- the Ritter Ritter, you know, instead of Philly, Philly, Ritter Ritter. Ritter Ritter chicken dinner. Here we go, baby. I like that. <laughs> I like Ritter Ritter chicken dinner. That could be that could be applicable in a number of ways. I think, uh, what can you say about Dez? I'm just going to miss the guy. He, I, I'm look, glad we have he, a he few did more games left. He, did it, all this, so he good. did it all this game. Look, he didn't have a, a lot of carries in the game. Like there wasn't a lot of rushes, but they were perfectly timed when we needed them, especially the big 40 yard touchdown run. So it's like, you keep your legs just dangerous enough that people have to think about it because you have Jerome Ford. Like what we do have, that is the thing we got to remember. We do have Jerome Ford who's capable of just producing massive numbers, but the rest of our, the rest of our run unit isn't exactly, you know, you don't sleep on them. You know, they, they're also they're also studs back there. You know, I th- I feel like Montgomery was was a good did a good job of picking up the slack. Wright did a really good job. Uh, but Ritter, when he keeps his legs engaged just enough that the other team has to be mindful of it, it keeps the passing game just that much more deadly because he seems to be getting over the last few games, he seems to be been getting a little being a little more accurate with his throws, completing at a higher percentage and and hitting some of the bigger ones downfield. He's been hitting at a pretty high percentage throughout his career. I mean, especially this season, he's a mid sixties percentage guy. It's not like he, he's not an inaccurate quarterback. There are, he's not perfect on every single throw, but but, he should be, but all in all, he is, he's, he's a devastating quarterback to have to match up against because of what he can do with his legs. And the last few weeks, the offense has started to get back into gear. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that coincides with a more aggressive uh, running the ball, Des Ritter. I think that, that that's that's critical for the team. It's critical for the success of the offense. It's critical, like you said, for for making the 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 passing game that much more potent because of what it requires linebackers to do and think about. Um, it, it, it's an imperative to have Jerome Ford in the lineup because of how explosive and and devastating he is as a runner. So as we start getting healthier and as we start having Des more active in the running game. Sky's the limit, my friend. The team, the team might just be starting to peak again at the exact right time of the season. Well, that leads us into the wonderful news. Well, it's not news yet. I guess it's a presumption. But if they fuck this up, oh, I'm not ready to go play. I'm not ready to 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 ruin a good time by shifting this to playoff committee. I'm not I'm ready. Not yet gonna, because- I'm not going to ruin it because it's going to happen. We are going to be number four tomorrow that is gonna that is gonna happen because you know what the committee doesn't do what we've seen 
so far. It doesn't matter if Michigan is at five and Ohio State's at three or two. It doesn't matter, right? At the end of the day, one of those two, there's those two schools play next week and they're going to win. One of those two will be in the top four. It makes no sense to do what the the curb herb the herb derp street. You know, well, we're going to, it's all going to shake itself out anyway. So I'm going to put Michigan I in the four spot. I wouldn't I'm, say I'm not, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to do it. They're not going to do it. <laughs> I wouldn't say it doesn't matter. This is what I mean about ruining a good time. Because if we're not at four and if we come in at five, and let's say that Michigan, Ohio State's up to two because of how impressive they've been the last few weeks. Alabama goes down to three. Michigan's at four or Michigan's at five, to be frank. But with Ohio State at two, doesn't that open the door potentially? for a close Michigan victory over no. Ohio State and, no. get, and allowing both of them to make the playoff? I'm just asking. No, no. no. There, there's the, the two-loss narrative is for one school and one school only. That's Alabama. And the re- only reason they're in that narrative is because they built up the, the cachet. They built up the, the, the years of dominance bias that you put. It doesn't deserve a quote. All, that's a real thing. They have years yeah, of I know, dominance. But you can't, they can't see me making the quotes. So I'm trying to, you know, inflect here you have them being at number two all freaking season basically you know from with a one loss over over other schools and we've all said as well well the reason why they're at number two is to is to prepare them for the eventual knockout that georgia and get them in um well which one do they want in more than do you want an alabama in more or an ohio state at two losses and the answer is they would rather have an alabama two loss than an ohio state two loss alabama stays number two Ohio State comes in at number three. Bearcats come in at number four. Michigan's coming in at number five. Notre Dame's coming in at number six. That's the way it's going to be. That's 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 the order tomorrow. That's my that's my I, prediction. I have to think it's because you've spent now ten plus weeks putting yourself in the mind of this unpredictable <laughs> cartel of a playoff committee that you seem to think it's so predictable. But look, they are running out of options. They are definitely running out of options. Their options, they're done. Their options with, are with gone. With Oregon getting demolished. The with Alabama, Alabama's looking not very impressive these days. They are not blowing teams off the field. They are. They're playing they are, at Auburn, by the way, this week. And I am definitely putting some money on Auburn on the money line. Auburn lost their starting Al- quarterback. Too, Alabama, Alabama hasn't won there since 2015. And I'm going to take that. Auburn I'm take lost that. their starting quarterback. I'm just trying to be a good friend. Yeah, I get know. it. I'm doing it, man. I'm going with the atmosphere. I'm going with Alabama being shook. I'm being with their, and they're not that not as good as they think that they're a little bit of a pretender. I'm going for it. I'm going to take it. That's going to be my long shot bet. I'll run that with, I'll run that with the UC cover, cover parlay. Well, I just want people to know that when we put together these, these good for Bearcats parlays, Hammer and I have been betting them. That we have we have been throwing money, we have been donating money to Vegas, and 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 giving away our own money uh, with these good for good for Bearcats parlays, which I would say was closer this week. You know, we mixed in a couple of uh, um, against the lines uh, bets rather than just doing money lines. But all in all, this was still a very good weekend for the Bearcats when you factor in that Oregon uh, Oregon you know beat down at the hands of Utah. I wanted to say one more thing about our actual team and the game itself before I moved on. The receiving core against SMU, Michael Young Jr., I don't know if he was officially out. I, I think he was 
I don't know Just that. Give he... me my, give me my beer. All right, give me the beer. I, this, is a, this isn't I'll a bad update. No, I'll this go isn't run a bad update. It's a guy who, you know, he was struggling with an injury. It doesn't seem like he got any play or any run. Um, if you look at the receiving kind of breakdown on the box score, Trey Tucker, Tyler Scott, those are the two guys that actually led the team in receptions in this game. Trey Tucker went seven for one fourteen. Tyler Scott went five for ninety four, and then you had Alec Pierce three for thirty nine. The cool thing about Tucker and Scott, that's sort of like a, a glimpse into the future wide receiver core. And I feel like I like what I see. Tucker made multiple catches in traffic through contact, and he's not a huge guy, but was able to go up and get the ball and make a catch, uh, a contested catch, a, co- a couple of them. Tyler Scott is obviously just, uh, he's Flash Gordon um, on, on the field. Like he can't, his speed is so special and so unique. So you have these two speedsters out there running open all over the field. I think that's going to be a nice, a a nice tandem going forward for the Bearcats. It's not like all hope is lost when you lose Alec Pierce and Michael Young Jr. next season. Mm. Now, not that this is anything to do with the future, but uh, Jerome Ford also was involved in the passing game this week. Uh, Two passes, 23 yards, had a long of 22. He's due for some touchdown action this weekend at EC, uh, ECU. If there's a player prop for Jerome Ford scoring a TD, put me down for at least one. Uh, that will happen this week. Jerome Ford will catch a touchdown on a wheel route. Alec Pierce is up to a, a career high in receptions this season. 40 catches, a career like a high in touchdowns, a career high in receiving yards, 666 receiving yards. A, a career high in touchdowns, six of them on the season, and he's still got at least. Well, he's he's got three games to play. So, oh, just he's a, probably going to score two touchdowns next week too. Like, look, let's and be his real. his draft stock is rising. And when you watch him play, I feel like every week it becomes more and more obvious that this is an NFL receiver. He's big. He makes rangy. He reminds me like a Julia, like, He makes me like he reminds me like a Jewel, like an Edelman type. Don't guy. say it. Don't. He doesn't don't remind like me. No, he doesn't remind me anything about Julian Edelman. How does he remind oh, you of Edelman? You just big. made. He's a bully. He's a bully. He could be a bully. He gets. He can get. Julian the Edelman's a, a small little slot he, receiver. He, catch, he catches him in the in it, with guys in his face because half the time Alec Pierce, it's not his fault. I but can't believe not, he did this. He's not getting in rhythm. He's not getting that in stride. So he has to be in traffic. He has to get involved with bodies. Does he? He, al- he also reminds you of Wes Welker. Maybe a little Wes Welker in there. He he reminds me of the Patriots greatness. Okay. (laughs) A little Brandon Stokely, maybe just anything Patriots greatness. All right. (laughs) Look, he's not small. Alec Pierce is six, three, two thirteen, and is, is a downfield threat with speed. He is nothing like Julian Edelman in my mind, nothing like Wes Welker. He's going to play on the outside. He's going to be a downfield threat. And he's someone who can go up and get the ball in the end zone. If I if I'm looking at him as an NFL team, I'm looking at him less as sort of a complimentary slot guy and more so as a feature wide receiver in my offense based on the physical on the physical tools. Fair enough. I still I still like that he's big and can he, he seems like he he when he catches balls, he likes to bully people. He has the attitude about him. And that's what makes Alec Pierce special. He's going Maybe, to fucking dominate at the next level. A little like he's, Danny, Danny Amendola. Sure. <laughs> every Patriots. I'm just naming every yeah every white Patriots receiver that's ever come through the league because that's what you just did by comparing. You just made the cliche comparison because of because of the ethnicity. I hate it. 
it wasn't really the it's not really that it's just like it's an attitude with that they have he comes out you have to be aggressive and physical and i think that that's how they've always played he is physical All those guys. he is physical and and i just i just don't see it so much from a from a, a style of play standpoint but i'm just i'm just giving you grief hummer we're not gonna we're not gonna cancel you for comparing him to Julian Julian Edelman. Sounds like sounds sounds like it's gonna be canceled. All right. Sounds like that's happening. Uh sounds like I'm being silenced over here. You know what? I'm gonna have to go the other direction. Um, I'm gonna have to go. <laughs> I'm gonna have to pull one from the old the old Trump playbook. I'm gonna have to go get, you know, the the people who would defend the Julian Edelman of the world, you know. Whatever we're we're taking this down a weird road. We got to move on. We yeah, have we, Illinois coming up. We right? got to move on. Illinois is coming up uh, on Monday. Bearcats play their first big basketball game of the season. The four zero Bearcats take on uh, Illinois, who last I checked was was a top ten team in the basketball rankings. To honor this occasion, to help break this down with us, we are having on noted. How 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 am I even going to introduce this guy? He's an inventor. Guys, he's not famous. All right, he's not famous. He, he's a guy you're probably you're probably not going to like him because he's he's an unabashed Cubs fan. He's 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 Illinois an Illinois fan. Like well, he's one of the like the the five Illinois fans that actually exist in the world uh, when the team is bad, right? Because you never like Illinois is like rarely good, and so when they are, like all their fans come out to play. And actually, that is Dan. Um, I haven't heard about Illinois basketball, even though I've seen him wear the shirt. He never talks about it when they're bad. Only when they're good does he come out of the woodwork to talk his shit. So he's coming on the podcast here to talk shit. That is exactly what's about to happen. And we're going to give it back to him um, because the end is Illinois and they're going to mess up more as the season continues. All right. They already took an L to Marquette. They're about to take an L to Cincinnati. And Dan's going to have to defend himself on on how Illinois is going to break through this Black Cats defense on that basketball. The basketball team's going to bring. I love it. Without further ado, our good friend, Dan Masterson. We are now joined by Illinois superfan, <laughs> the greatest inventor I know, Dan Masterson. Dan, thank you for joining the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast. My pleasure. I am honored probably to be the only Illinois fan either of you to know uh, good enough that you have their phone number for. <laughs> There's only one other Illinois fan I know of. Um, she works in the communications department for UC. I didn't okay. want to make her too uncomfortable by inviting her on the oh, podcast, yeah. but yeah. Uh, given given her job. But I think, I think you'll do a, a good job, hopefully explaining to us why Illinois stands any chance in this game. against. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing we have no shot to, to take on the Bearcats tomorrow night. And I, I don't know, you know, for me, it's uh, they're bringing back, you know, finally Kofi, the long awaited return of Kofi Coburn uh, tomorrow night. So all eyes on him and they'll go as far as he can take them as uh, they showed against Marquette. They need him in a big way. So, so for, for, Bearcat listeners, folks who are listening who may not have spent that much time watching your beloved Fighting Illini, tell tell people a little bit about Kofi. You know, Kofi what, he is, hasn't played uh, this year, but just give us give us a little taste of what he's about. He has not played yet this year. He's a seven foot one, close to three hundred pounds of muscle, and he started that way as a freshman. He was uh, 
he's a giant man among uh, men, uh, number one center in the uh, in the Big Ten for sure, um, and uh, they need him. He's basically, if any of your fans are old enough to remember the early '90s, he's the closest thing to Shaq in college today. Unfortunately, or the good news for Illinois is there's no room for that in the NBA anymore. That's you true. Didn't to, you didn't have to pay very much for him, is what you're saying. That's right. He came. <laughs> uh, he came very cheaply. And he so flirted. Right. He flirted with leaving Illinois this offseason. I thought he was, he he was talking there, to uh, Calipari down in yeah, Kentucky. There was a bit. quite a bit of angst on the side of Illinois fans. So he he declared for the draft, and then uh, along the way, it's like, hey, you know, I don't, I can't shoot outside of five feet. <laughs> Uh, maybe there's not a spot for me in the NBA right now. And he decides to come back to college, but instead of coming back to Illinois, he enters the transfer portal, which uh, it is almost never does anyone enter the transfer portal and come back to the school they left. Right. And, And there was quite a bit of smoke around Calipari in Kentucky because two previous Illinois assistant coaches that uh, had recruited and developed him at Illinois were on the staff at Kentucky now. Um, For whatever reason, Calipari said, thanks, but no thanks. I had my eye on some other five-star high school kid that actually ended up at Memphis. So he missed out on both the big men options and he came back to Illinois. Uh, Why he hasn't played yet this year is along the way he started selling, he had sold a bunch of his his uh, paraphernalia, and uh, apparently that's not frowned upon. That's frowned upon uh, by the NCAA. So, and it was before the name, image, and likeness had taken effect. So he was in violation, and uh, he sat a three-game suspension. So they couldn't afford yeah. to not have him for this for this upcoming game. So I don't know, Dan, if you have a chance to follow much of the Bearcats, but if this game had happened last season. Yeah. I would say Hummer and I would not have invited you on the podcast because this would be no. a bloodbath. We had no no interior defense. Uh, right. We we gave up easy layups like it was uh, that was the purpose of, yeah. of defending in basketball. It's a, <laughs> it's a new year though, Dan. There's yeah. a new coach in town. There's I've new players seen in town. A couple of pictures of some bigger guys uh, that Cincinnati is bringing on the floor. Some some Drago Russian guy that he will break us kind of attitude. Uh, and that's fair, you know, so, and, um, and I don't know what, what Kofi's coming on with an agenda to improve his game for the NBA. And I don't know if that's going to happen and hopefully it doesn't detour him from what he does best, which is dunk on the opposition. I always, I do my research before these conversations, Dan, and, yeah. And a little birdie told me, said last week, apparently you were sending some taunting messages to, to other Bearcat fans across the nation. It's something along the lines of see that mountain sitting on the sideline of the Illinois Marquette game. That's He's right. Bringing three games of suffering to the table next week. It sounds like you're very sure. confident that Kofi's going to turn around the fortunes. I was hopeful because he, at the time I sent that to your super fan cam, he was, uh, Illinois was up fairly comfortably in the Marquette game and they flashed to Coburn and, and then that all the wheels just fell off that train and specifically off the, the uh, car named Andre Corbello just wheels flew off the cart. So 
but uh, no, he's a he's something to be to be handled with. So he's he's a he's going to be tough. What what else can you tell me about Illinois outside of the the Kofi yeah. the Kofi, Kofi factor here? What 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 should I know about this team going into this game? Right. So they have a uh, so they lost their big closer from last year, Ayo Desomne. So he was the guy at the end of any game in the last five minutes, he could take the ball and either close the game out, close the gap or finish. And that they miss him. So that showed in the Marquette game where Illinois was up comfortably with by about 10 with 10 minutes left. And they just crumbled at the feet of their, what Illinois fans thought was the heir apparent in Andre Curbelo. And he just uh, became Mr. Turnover. So what you need to know is there's a good Andre Curbelo and a bad Andre Curbelo. The good Andre Curbelo is a guy who distributes and weaves through the defenses and finds the open guy. And the bad Andre Curbelo is the one who will turn it over 10 times a game. I'm looking at his stats against Marquette. He had a tough game. Yeah, he did. The four shot selection, tons of turnovers. I mean, just re- if you in this, it's not even in the stats. It was like he was like four of eighteen, right, or something. Uh, like that. It, it was in the stats. He was four of yeah. eighteen from the field well, and seven turnovers. But what isn't in there is how ugly the shots were that he took. Like you wouldn't try these in a horse game amongst your friends. They were so ridiculous. So, uh, so you know, he was the guy who was going to take the next step from his freshman to sophomore year. He has not done that yet. So. <laughs> You know, coming into this season, Illinois fans looked at the team without Ayo DeSomnu and said, this is the team that went into Ann Arbor late last year and demolished a Michigan team by over 20. And so there was hope. And the Marquette game, you know, the Loyola game at the end that put us out of the NCAA tournament last year. And this Marquette game just reminds all Illinois fans that they could lose to anybody. They could beat anybody, but they could lose to anybody. You've played three games. It sounds like this Marquette loss was very traumatizing for you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And it was uh, it was just in plain sight. You know, it was it was on television. It was terrible to watch. So. Um, You guys did destroy Arkansas State, you know, so that's that's that was that's a very promising that counts. Yeah, that counts as much as Presbyterian or whatever. You know, they're up there. But uh, Our the other thing games. you need to know about Illinois is they do not have any depth behind Kofi Coburn. Last year they did. This year they do not. So if he I gets was looking at the box trouble, score there. They, they don't have anyone to step in and play meaningful minutes and contribute on offense in any way. So Omar we're, Payne we're, is we're a kind of, we're, we're a bit of the opposite, where the top-end talent, we don't have a Kofi Coburn Though right. we do have we do have a Victor Lockin, the Russian, yeah, yeah, and and this is he has stolen the hearts uh, of Cincinnati fans already four games into the season. He's only played two of uh, three of those games, yeah. Uh, but we do have we we go about ten to eleven deep easily, and so yeah. you are you're not going to see anybody play thirty minutes. Yeah. You're going to see a bunch of guys in and out of the game, a little bit of press, yeah. a lot of interior defense. I got to say, the Bearcats in my mind seem built to give a team like Illinois problems. I wish that were, uh, I'm not sure how hard that is to do right now. Illinois has zero offensive flow, and I'm not sure I can blame that on the absence of Coburn in the first three games. Um, but, 
it sounds like because Illinois is also uh, the one thing that has shown up all three games with Illinois is their defense. I guess it helps to play teams that don't particularly score that well. So maybe we're in a, you know, put it all on the under kind of game, which isn't really fun to watch, but. Another missed three. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Another rebound. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know what to expect out of this. I, I would love to talk a ton more trash and uh, I was in a much better place before the Marquette game. I, I, I was, I was that I was all in uh, heart and soul right now. I'm uh, they need to prove it again, that they can play as a team because uh you know, they, it was, there was no passing, there was no offensive flow. Um, and we'll see, see where Kofi's at. Can he run the floor even yet? So. Dan, this is sad. I, this is, this is hurting me to that hear I'm you not, like this. Like to, that you've, that you, that you've completely arrow. lost the faith based on one loss to Shaka Smart. I know, Shaka. I know there's people who don't oh, believe in God. Shaka Smart, but. Nobody does. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, it was just, it was the way it happened. It was, it was to watch. If you watched the last three minutes of that game, uh, I think Illinois might've turned the ball over seven times. Uh, and it was, uh, it was hard to watch. And, um, but they, but the other thing you need to know about Illinois is they have a couple senior guards that are worth watching Trent Frazier and DeMonte Williams. So these are guys Trent Frazier has been, he's a super senior, right? So heck, he may be on his sixth year at this point, you know, with COVID and, and everything happening. And he was a guy before Iowa who was the guy on the team. So he can score. I don't know why he doesn't. He just chooses not to. And, uh, and DeMonte Williams is uh, probably their best outside shooter these days. So if Kofi can learn to pass the ball out of a double team, he'd be that much more dangerous, but that hasn't really happened yet. That part of his game hasn't developed passing out of a double team. Maybe as a senior, is he a senior this year? No, he's a junior. He's a junior. He's okay. A junior. All right. All right. So maybe, maybe he'll take that uh, court vision leap this year. Who I knows? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. So this is it. If Illinois wins, I'll be back on the Illinois bandwagon as they take on Kansas state or Arkansas the next day. Uh, but if they lose, I, I don't know what I'll do. I, I, I mean, how are the, so the Bearcats will be five and oh, they probably have room on their bandwagon, right? They will definitely have room. Dan, Dan, people we would are welcome still on you. the football bandwagon, right? They have, so they people, plenty no of room. There, no there's always, there's always room on the bandwagon, but uh, actually I'm, as I'm learning, scoring tickets to the Bearcat basketball program is uh, it's a hard task lately. If you want to, if you want to get a decent seat in the house, um, so I think there's still plenty, you know, there's, there's people on the bandwagon. There's still plenty of room. Um, yeah. honestly, this is a game I'm excited about. Cause we, frankly, we, like you mentioned, is Presbyterian game. is a barn burner, Alabama, <laughs> A&M, you know, these stalwarts of college basketball coming through fifth third arena, uh, really yeah. wanting to see what we can do against a team with, you know, the, you guys might be not as deep, but the talent no, that you have is you know, yeah. Do you want to do you want to talk a little football? I didn't realize you were also no, fighting a football. football that's the worst. That's even that's terrible. That's a. I'm on. I'm a Cincinnati fan this year for football. I'm. I hope they don't get screwed out of this. I hope not. I and we appreciate that. We need all the support we can get. Yeah, it's uh, 
And usually it's like the set, the big 10 team that knocks someone out of that position. So uh, things look so promising after that opening win over the, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And it just didn't quite manifest mm, after yeah, that. They've beaten a few teams they shouldn't have, and they lose a lot of the rest of the game. So they beat Penn state, right? Oh, that was when I, I loved watching that. Beat that Penn amazing. State, Minnesota. beat Minnesota, Minnesota, but then, you know, yeah. lost to, lost pretty handedly to Virginia and Maryland. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, uh, it's his, it's, uh, Berline's first year with them. So hopefully he can instill some discipline, do a better job of buying and selling players, you know, <laughs> that they've lacked over the last 25 years. But, uh, it's, oh, uh, wait, is Illinois the team with the coach that basically said, we just don't have very good players here and I'm throwing up my hands and need to sort of like <laughs> empty the cupboard and bring in new guys. Is he that guy? Is I that this know. coach? I honestly don't know. It's, he wouldn't be lying if he was, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, it's uh, so back to the basketball game. So that was all. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, we come, we come into this year. I'm still optimistic. They've got a lot of time between now and when they need, they will make the tournament. There's no question about it. And it's just a matter of, uh, you know, how well are they going to be able to play as a team? And will Andre Curbelo be the point guard? We all know and think he can be. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, – I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, Illinois needs this win against Cincinnati badly. There's no question about it. It's another big – you know, it's another, you know, major school um, – they just can't be losing these games pre-Big Ten right now. They're going to lose a lot more games in the Big Ten season this year than they did last year. So what's your final prediction for the game? Are you predicting a win? And if so, what's the final score? Okay. I'm going to go Illinois wins 68-60. to 60. After listening to you convince, you know, talk to me and hype up the Illinois team, mm-hmm. I am definitely predicting a Cincinnati Bearcats win. Yes. And, I, and I'm predicting a final score of 64 to 58. Ooh, practically a blowout. Yeah. Practically a blowout. Hummer, you have a, you have a prediction yourself? I mean, does it matter now? I get to hear two predictions. So, you know, to do the Price is Right model, go low, go high, go right in the middle, 66, 62 Bearcats. Okay, so that means we have to make some kind of wager, is what this means. I agree. I agree. What what should our wager be here, boys? Hummer's good at these. What should our wager be, Hummer? You know, I was sitting here thinking about that. And so on the on the boat trip, Dan Mastin has this wonderful invention. Um uh, <laughs> where I'm going with this. It is the world's greatest mosquito repellent that they can't sell in the United States. If the <laughs> Bearcats beat Marquette, Coomer and I get insect repellent dan masterson created insect repellent <laughs> god you guys are tough sure i can do that what do i get what do you guys have that i want what, what do we have that that dan might want dan Free advertising got... on the podcast <laughs> Free advertising. you have some advertising yeah, yeah you need sure. to you need to advertise <laughs> something dan i don't you're I more exp- you're more expensive than the athletic. What I was thinking, my thought was whoever loses buys the other team. Like, or how how can I put it? If Illinois wins, you guys both have to wear Illinois hats the entire boat trip. Ooh. And if Cincinnati wins, I have to wear a Cincinnati hat the whole boat trip. I agree to this deal so long as we also throw in insect repellent if the Bearcats win. 
I'll give you guys that no, win or lose. Yes. <laughs> I like it. That's the, uh, and, and Dan's referring to a boat trip that we all go on, uh, you know, mostly every year. I'd say you're better than I am, Dan, about doing that, but I guess you're, uh, you're committing me. So uh, we'll leave it yeah. there. Any, any final parting, parting words of wisdom, Dan, about the upcoming game or anything else you want to share or plug? You have things to plug? I don't. I just started a new job. So we're, uh, I'll be driving down from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. All right. But I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I wish I was just, you know, more confident in the team, but I mean, we're only going to win by eight by my production. Oh, you you so. did a great job coming on here and making Bearcats fans feel better feel about better. Our, our chances. You have a shot. Game. So you say there's a chance. That's right. You did exactly what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I no, I I mean, it's tough. It's early in the season. Any anyone could win, and uh, unfortunately for you guys, tomorrow Illinois is going to win. But uh, <laughs> and then the long-awaited matchup with former Illinois coach Bruce Weber and the Kansas State. Yeah, team. and then and then we would potentially play our nemesis, um, Eric Musselman, who used to coach Nevada at a time when we were, you know, when we may or may oh. not have blown a 22 point lead. Yes. He was very much involved <laughs> in that meltdown. So that, that would also drum up some bad memories. Uh, well, all right, gentlemen. Well, we appreciate it. Dan. Before, you, before, you, before oh, you head go out, I do got, I do have to tell one, one story that I have connected to the, the uh, fighting Illini. Okay. Uh, I used to work for an advertising company and we used to sell the, these audio messages on the inside of the MTD, Urbana champagne uh, mass transit system. Sure. And the fighting Illini were, were scheduled to play their Arizona state, the devils. Mm -hmm. And I sold the alumni system, the alumni chapter of the Arizona state devils ad space on the champagne Urbana transit system and ran ads for two weeks discussing how the devils were coming to town <laughs> to play football as if it were a home game and with the at the end of it go, so go devils nice so you'll you'll whore yourself out for a dollar <laughs> if you hear those ads running for cincinnati after this win you know who bought them okay all right Dan, we um, appreciate you coming on the cincy slang and podcast we'll be yeah. in touch about uh about whose hat who's wearing whose hat Next All right. Time. Take care, guys. See you, buddy. Bye.